Welcome to Stories with Shrinks, a podcast where we over-psychoanalyze characters from your favorite movies, TV, and media. I'm Tyler, he, his, him. I'm Jennifer, she, her, hers. And this episode, we've got something real special for you, because there really is no better love story than the one that we're bringing you here today. The best love story ever. Valentine's. Because when people ask, what's the best love story of all time? Do they say Casablanca? No. No. no Do they no. say it in the way we were? Absolutely no. not. Do they say, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something. It happened recent. one night, which Ooh, would be, you've you got go. mail. You've got mail. Or uh, also, She Loves Me, which is the musical version of that. Yes. Uh, but anyway, do they say it's the first in Seattle? 20 minutes of up? <laughs> that's also fair. But that's not the best love story ever no. told because no. there is no better love story than the Twilight Saga. Yes. Obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> vampires and werewolves and love and getting a little suicidal when your boyfriend decides to leave you you know just just all the normal things yes (laughs) so we didn't talk about this before but i do have a get to know you question ha 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 you have one prepared this time i well i'm gonna make it up off the top of my head but yeah (laughs) uh i have an idea you have an idea um so in the twilight saga we do have, I actually got two questions now. We'll do a short one really quickly. What's better, vampires or werewolves? Werewolves. Werewolves, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Big, furry, hot people versus yeah. cold, stony statue people. No, yeah. thank you. It's an easy, easy werewolves. contest. Thank you. I thought that would be quick. Next one. We know that the vampires in this series get special extra abilities, some of them, mm-hmm. based on their own personal abilities and their own strengths what would your power be if you were turned done did turned into a vampire in this universe that's that's an excellent question mm-hmm. my first thought was going to be like my same get to know you question from last time answer of i want the powers to talk to animals but if i was mm-hmm. technically in the twilight verse and i had to then kill animals to feed yeah i don't want to talk to animals yeah that or, would be kind of rough or i could be a real vampire and not be on a stupid diet and kill humans <laughs> and kill humans hey all right, all right. Um, i'm suddenly glad this is done via zoom and not in person <laughs> um i okay i'm gonna do process of elimination here i don't want to hear people's thoughts that sounds horrible i also don't want to see the future that sounds horrible oh so this isn't this isn't saying which like a power of theirs would you want right. this is like based on what you are but there is canon in the world of the categories of types of powers that sure. they can have um i i do kind of like the influence over others bit like the feelings mm-hmm. or the the pain reaction um so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with uh, jasper's and kind of just being able to have the positive feelings of like changing people's emotions. Very cool. And you just like to stare at things, right? That's the yes. other thing, obviously. Also t- Team Jasper, so. <laughs> I think if it were based off of my skill set without taking the one you just took, because obviously that's the therapist answer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think something along the lines of something similar to Alice is not necessarily showing the future, but being able to uh, sort of like the scene in uh, the last movie, I think it's the last movie where they're like having the whole fight, but it's just in the head where she's showing him the future of what that fight would be like. You could do the chess game. 
being able to like project visions into other people's Ooh. head would okay. be something along those lines being able to like be like let me tell you about this place that you're at and you're mm -hmm. here and you're seeing these people and they're talking to you you know dungeon master shit yes uh yeah 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 just up to right. 13 you're almost you can make people thinking, hallucinate um you're almost thinking of the the vampires i know way too much about twilight y'all uh the vampires from the amazon tribe that come in to help at the last battle and the one chick can like make people have like sensory hallucinations yeah. that they're in different areas yeah 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 something <laughs> like that yeah would probably be you know at least if we're going for like a different skill set besides empathy which we, yes. we kind of default to a lot here so i wanted to think of something else but yeah something like that probably very cool yes lots of different powers in the twilight verse so that's true there are um but uh before we we keep talking about superpowers for the next hour and a half mm -hmm. uh why don't instead we put on our flannel you know go up to the, the pacific northwest get a down jacket probably as well would probably be helpful and just like take it let's take a quick road trip up to washington yes shall we? all right well i believe you have a new client i do and i would like to just precursor this with a little trigger warning um a little like consensual talk about topics i am going to be talking about abusive relationships and consent in relationships and parenting within like like how to help parent children who might be in abusive relationships. So if that is a topic that might hit a little too close to home for you, um, take care of yourself. You don't have to listen. Come back later when you're ready. But that is a prime theme that I'm going to rant about for a good portion of mine. Mm. So just <laughs> be emotionally prepared for that. <laughs> but the relationships in this series are so healthy, Jen. They're the best, healthiest relationships ever. No, they're not. And let's start. <laughs> so I do have a new client. Um, I am actually working with a family. My primary client coming in is Mr. Swan. Uh, Charlie, first name. He is male, cisgender, heterosexual, father of a 17-year-old girl named Bella, who was recently in the hospital after running away from home and falling down a set of staircases and through a window in a hospital. Uh, they were referred to me through social services when a social worker came to talk to them about the situation on hand, given the fact that she is a minor in the hospital, and suggested that they go he go in for therapy um, for parenting dynamics and possible joint family sessions. So first off, just working primarily with Charlie, he um, is a very quiet, non-verbal kind of guy. Um, so we're first just going to make sure he's comfortable in the therapeutic setting. Um, a lot of men are very stereotypically um, raised and we talk about this a lot on the podcast about expression of feelings and emotions and how that's not necessarily a, a trait that men who identify in that stereotype fall into easily. And given his profession as a police officer, he's learned to really keep his feelings at bay and not get emotionally involved and not get emotionally attached. And he's also experienced a lot of pain and heartache in his life. And I think that adds to his kind of awkwardness at times when it comes to talking about his feelings. 
but he is extremely worried about his daughter, um, her erratic behavior and her deep and quick developing relationship with this family he's known for a while, their son, Edward, um, but he just doesn't know if it's a, a healthy relationship and he's worried about her. So we're going to first just start off um, with co-parent uh, with co-parenting um, conversations and parenting. That way he can get comfortable and we don't have to dive into necessarily his personal stuff unless he wants to and is ready to, but he's primarily coming in for parenting dynamics. So we're going to talk about how to be a dad to a 17-year-old girl who you've only had a relationship with during the summers on custody visits. And that's hard. You're going from someone that has only been in and out of your life for various periods of time, and you've watched her grow in increments to someone who's now in your home all the time. And how do we parent? How do we parent someone who's basically raised herself in a lot of different ways and doesn't really need that classic parent anymore? And yet you want to be that for her. You want to be that protector and classic dad still. And we would talk about what it means to have a 17-year-old in the house making decisions and having access to cars and having a boyfriend and what it means to be a dad and those identity dynamics that he's going through right now. We would talk about how scary it was to have your daughter run off in the middle of the day, take her car and leave, and then get a call from the hospital that something scary happened. Um, and what are going to be the consequences at home for those behaviors and those actions as your daughter is still a minor? And how do we communicate those fears to her? And another really big dynamic of this would be how to communicate those concerns and red flags that she, he's seeing in her relationship. She described, oh, sorry, he described Bella falling pretty hard for Edward and very concerned about how quickly they have fallen in love with each other, supposedly. Um, we'll talk about classic dating dynamics like your daughter's 17 this is probably her first real love there's some of this that comes naturally you fall hard and fast in high school at times and we're gonna talk about the dynamics of that that are healthy and normal and typical of a teenage experience and how to make sure that you're not pushing her further into his arms in a way like when you don't want to be a helicopter parent per se but how do we voice these real concerns and how do we voice, you know, you guys spend a lot of time together. You guys are irreceptible, which is fine. You guys can spend a lot of time together, but maybe we need to talk about boundaries and how do you communicate boundaries with your daughter? And I think during this process, a lot of his relationship dynamics with Bella's mom would come up their relationship and I would ask him like how did your love story go what did what happened to you when you were dating early on and how can you empathize and relate with your daughter and how can you share those experiences in a healthy way being able to communicate the fears that he has for her and concerns through the dynamic of what he witnessed growing up and what it was like to have her leave in a way that was very similar to how her 
her mom left all those years ago. And another part of this process would again be bringing Bella into sessions as there is a family dynamic to this and helping them learn better communication skills more than just, it's fine, cool, whatever, helping them communicate these fears and helping Bella communicate the parts of her relationship that she isn't concerned about or is concerned about and build a stronger foundation for them to communicate to each other since she will be turning 18 soon and she will have more say in the dynamics of what she's going on with her life. And this is what I was thinking we would then time travel a little bit to when she is 18 and they are still having seen me. We would talk about consensual dynamics now that she's no longer a minor and the role of consent. She would already be consenting for her role in therapy as a 17 year old. But again, we would just talk about what it would mean to now have an 18 year old in the therapeutic relationship between the three of us and what it would mean to have Bella go through what she went through when Edward broke up with her and if she would actually return to therapy at that point. And I don't think she would. I think she would be very checked out, but I could definitely see Charlie continuing with me in therapy because she he is very concerned for his daughter at this point. He's watching his her daughter fall into a depressive episode and be isolating herself and no longer connecting, only doing the things she's obligated to do, such as school, for instance, but no longer connecting with her friends, her other family members, no longer um, kind of taking care of herself in a lot of ways. And having seen her, her mother go through this at some point, um, Charlie would be really concerned of how do I help my daughter? How do I help her get through this period of time? And how do I communicate those fears? And we'd be practicing using I statements and I feel statements. And we would also be talking about the real red flags of what kind of relationship this was. If that's the reaction that she is having, breakups are hard. And breakups of a first love as a teenager are especially hard, but Bella's reaction is very concerning. And it is major red flags for the type of relationship that they were having. So with that said, this is going to be my soapbox moment on my quick analysis of why this is a really toxic relationship. And I think given my experiences, I'm more prone to see these things. But as a therapist, I do tend to be more direct in the room when I see these types of red flags. So this would not be something I would be very shy to talk about with both Charlie and Bella, given what they're communicating to me. And there would be times where I would have Bella alone in sessions, Charlie alone in sessions, times where we'd come together as a family, because there would probably be things that she wouldn't feel comfortable talking about with her dad in the room, and things that Charlie wouldn't feel comfortable talking about with Bella in the room, and then times when we do all come together. But based on what they are communicating with me, there is a lot of red flags for a power and control dynamic in this relationship, emotional abuse dynamics in this relationship, and it crosses a lot of lines of what we're communicating. So first off, if Bella were to trust that I would keep a secret like vampirism <laughs> in a therapeutic setting, but we're just going to pretend like I would. Um, 
he stalks her straight straight up stalking her for the very beginning parts of her relationship watching her sleep at night um following her around being there to save her during different events but at the end of the day this is stalking and when he is confronting when she is confronting him he gaslights her he makes her feel very confused about the situation he makes her try to doubt herself doubt what her experiences are doubt what she's feeling and seeing and that is gaslighting anytime an individual is purposely making you feel confused in the moment and making you doubt your experience and your feelings they are gaslighting you um and then he then switches very sharply to pretty much an I love you kind of statement. A, I can't live my life without you. And I want to be with you 24 hours a day. Very romantic, let's say, but not really. This is really alarming. <laughs> um, you can have strong feelings for an individual. You can have kind of know that this person may be the person you do want to spend the rest of your life with and there's no shame and there's no harm in that but as a teenager and as someone who is still experiencing a lot of life this is a major red flag for a power and control dynamic and given the dynamics of the universe of twilight he is incredibly older than she is he has lived a long time. He has lived many years. And even though we're frozen at 17 and she is 17, this isn't the same kind of relationship dynamics as a typical 17, 17 year old. And it may not be, if someone were to say, oh, I'm dating an incredibly older person at the age of 17, she is old enough to drive. There is no physical harm or sexual abuse occurring at the time, it wouldn't be reportable. Um, there is no sexual relationship between these two individuals. Tyler has a comment. I have a comment. It would be up to clinical concern. Yes. It's not necessarily that it's not, it's just not automatically reportable. Reportable. That's true. It is but up to If you had concern. a 17-year-old saying like, let's this just- This guy breaks you know, into my part. bedroom window. For, my, for myself, if a 17-year-old right. told me, let's not say that he's you know 100 whatever right but let's let's just say like he's i don't know he's let's over he's 18 like 21 55 right <laughs> let's say he's like 55 55 cool talk about older right yes and so if a 17 year old says this 55 year old man is my boyfriend and he's following me around and mm -hmm. he comes and breaks into my room at night i'm reporting that shit 100 percent reporting it 100 percent <laughs> reporting it um but right, it's so tricky because it is highlighted as like, oh, it's just this teenager sneaking into a bedroom window. No, that's creepy. That is 100% not okay behavior. Um, and, and just to stare at her while right? she sleeps, which is also <laughs> real bad, guys. Real, real bad. That's not romantic to say the least. Um, and there's a lot of times where he talks down to her and minimizes her and minimizes minimizes her experiences and also isolates her from her friends isolates her from the people who are in her community and kind of pulls her into his world rather than wanting to fully experience her worlds 
And that's a red flag for an emotional, abusive, controlling relationship. Anytime someone is saying like, no, no, I don't want to go to that part of your life with you. That's a red flag. And it's a cause for concern. And I would be educating Charlie on these terms and I'd be educating Bella separately. And then together we'd be having these conversations about what it's like to see these red flags and talk about them and the concerns Charlie has for his daughter and how Bella's responding and how are we making choices and decisions moving forward. And especially her depressive episode that she goes into it is really telling of the amount of control her ex at that time had in her life. And then moving forward, she is experiencing self-harming behaviors to be able to feel the same rush she felt with her ex. And this would be very concerning. At the time she is 18 and it may not necessarily be a minor um, abuse reporting situation, but this is definitely one of those times where we're gonna be talking about are you a harm to yourself? And what is going on in these moments? And in this case, she's not necessarily putting herself at risk in a harm to herself, but her behaviors are very risky. And we would be talking about what, what are we feeling? What are we going through right now? that we are feeling like we need to have this quote unquote adrenaline rush to be able to feel again. And it is very, it can be a very dangerous situation fast if this type of relationship was in fact a relationship going on, not in a vampiric teen drama. And Charlie, I think is clued into this experience early on in fast and is probably one of the wiser characters in the books because from day one he's like I don't know if this is a good idea I don't know if I trust this guy this guy is giving me the creeps why is he so obsessed with my daughter there's a difference between being teenagers in love and the type of I move you move relationship that they have and I would tell him to lean into those instincts and you know communicate them to Bella and communicate those fears in a respectful way because again if we try to do it in a controlling way she's probably not going to stay in the house and not going to listen and go off and do her own thing not like she doesn't do that in the books but in this situation in a therapeutic setting we would want to find that balance of respecting boundaries and decisions while also communicating real concerns and giving Charlie a space to not only process his relationship with Bella, but his relationship with Bella's mom and watching that progression move forward. Um, His role in Forks as the police officer with recent deaths and giving him a space to talk at first just probably intellectually about these experiences and then hopefully being able to provide him an experience where he can talk emotionally and build that emotional vocabulary and give him the words to describe his experiences and that is probably all I have to say about Charlie and Bella in family therapy and really hoping that it becomes a safer place for Bella as she progresses in this time frame in her now single life. (laughs) 
because yeah. we're looking at the the new moon. I hope nothing else bad happens to this girl. Fit. <laughs> um, yeah. And this is just the early parts. I mean, there's yes. some real messed up stuff that happens later on. Right. I specifically know? chose to focus on the early years because she is a minor still. And it's really the beginning of the, the red flags in this relationship. And then she falls full into let's get married mode. But yeah. um, this would be one of those, let's talk about the early signs of emotional abuse. Let's talk about the early signs of authority and power yeah. and control and the control cycle and the emotional abuse cycle in relationships. And at times like the, just the physical authority and power abuse that he has over her yeah i mean even i think you know thinking of the later stages since you didn't cover them i just the thing that comes to mind is the isolation Mm -hmm. of like yeah we'll turn you but now you have you have to say goodbye to everyone they all have to think you're dead Mm -hmm. so it's just us she does break that she doesn't quite put up with that um but it is something that she's like okay no big deal yeah which is yeah just i mean think of it as if it was not a family of vampires and instead was a cult right like that is basically what they're asking her to do right so it's give up your whole life stay with us in this house forever yeah and we'll just travel and keep traveling right we'll live forever and everyone you know around you will die Mm -hmm. but they all have to believe that you're dead first like it sounds like a cult yes (laughs) Anyway, all, all that aside, Jen, what was it about this particular relationship dynamic you wanted to explore here tonight? Um, well, thinking about who I wanted to pick, Charlie first kind of came to mind for me because um, he is connected to like the main story arc enough that you, I would be able to rant about why this is such an inappropriate relationship. Um, but also I didn't quite want to do Bella because I honestly don't see Bella coming into therapy and listening in a way, um, kind of the way that she comes in. Um, I feel like she would be kind of checked out and then continue down that path. But I feel like Charlie could use for his own personal stuff while also I could really see him taking on that. I want to be a better dad for my daughter. I'm really concerned for my daughter role and needing someone to kind of just guide him in that parenting dynamic. Um, Also, he's one of the best characters in the movie because he's probably one of the most realistic uh, this is odd right like this is this is weird <laughs> he kind of calls it out um, before he gets brought into the magic of the world and um when we were talking about like oh what would we want to do for the month of february i joke like well let's do twilight because it is like the worst love story um with that said I was obsessed with Twilight. I love the Twilight books. I love the movies. I did the Midnight Mass, um, Midnight Premieres. I, I think I shared this at the Hunger Games one, but I did the panels for Hall H at Comic Con and met most of the cast. I have a, I was that teenage girl, and I've talked to a lot of clients now and a lot of people just about how these relationships did romanticize abusive dynamics to my generation of girls and my generation of boys and behaviors of romanticizing emotional control and emotional abuse and these characters that are quote-unquote villains in a lot of way are now the love interest 
and it's damaging. And I feel like Charlie really sees that damage and has experienced a lot of personal grief when it comes to love. So I thought he would be an interesting way to explore that topic rather than just being like, Bella's stupid. <laughs> I mean, my joke was, you know, why why did you choose Charlie over Bella? And it's like, well, Charlie's the more interesting character. Yes. But, <laughs> you know, is that a joke? I think that's just a fact. Never it mind. Is a fact. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, same. Like, this was all the rage when we were going through high school. Mm-hmm. Like, this was, like, I read all the books. I still haven't seen all of Breaking Dawn Part 2, I You're think, not missing much. But I've seen every other movie. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's this huge juggernaut of a franchise. And it was this huge cultural phenomenon mm-hmm. that really encapsulated how do you mistreat a partner right and then make it romantic mm-hmm. um and actually now that i'm thinking about it i'm kind of like hey stephanie meyer you okay girl right like, i mean it was written based off of uh 50, no 50 shades of gray was written off of twilight so that says correct. a lot <laughs> correct yeah 50 shades of gray started as twilight fan right and um and I'm not, not to just totally diss on the books. There are some valuable things that you can take away from the Twilight novels. And there's a lot of good in them too. But oh my God, it's an unhealthy relationship. Oh yeah. They're young adult fiction, <laughs> yes. right? Like it's young adult fiction, especially is you're not going to get the best writing, but you get really good world building. Typically mm-hmm. you get good characters who are fun and kind of quirky. Uh, and that's why all of these young adult you know, properties are things that become these massive institutions in our culture um and so it is what it is i don't i don't think you know i'm not trying to to be against this particular franchise or anything Mm -hmm. it's just like i don't go in expecting a masterpiece level book or cinema with it uh and i think that that's important when we're talking about pretty much anything with the geek within geek culture of Mm -hmm. like reserve your expectations right absolutely uh, you know and but uh, yeah anyway no there and i again like the books are are good for what they are and the movies are good for what they are they all have problems but a lot of things do and that's okay and you can still enjoy them like i sometimes my go-to like just movie to have on the background are some of the twilight movies because they're a joy to watch they're fun they're funny at times um i am the nerd that will be like oh i like new moon the best because edward's not in that one majority of the time but it is it is a dialogue that's worth having and having often that like these romanticized stories maybe should be romanticized All right. Well, thank you so much. We'll be right back after this quick message from our sponsor, and then we'll continue on. Hey, y'all. This is Jennifer. We wanted to reach out and let you all know that we are on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stories with Shrinks and on Twitter, Shrink Stories. 
we post before episodes, little sneak peeks about what we're talking about and trying to engage more with our community about the topic. So you can find that and join the story with us online. Welcome back to Stories with Drinks, where we are loving and maybe hating on the Twilight Saga a little bit. bit Guys, I really do love the Twilight Saga. There's just a lot wrong with it. And, um, Tyler, I do believe you have a new client as well up in Forks, Washington. Absolutely. So I've been uh, I've been driving actually over to the reservation to oh, do okay. some to do some therapy hours out there, and I have come across a twenty year old cisgender female heterosexual Native American named Leah, and Leah is going through a lot. Mm-hmm. I'll start by just my first impressions of her when she came in. She's kind of abrasive. Uh, She's not somebody who we would describe as uh, warm and cuddly. She's a little spiky. Uh, But I think it's indicative of something that therapists, we use this metaphor with each other all the time, is that like you get clients that are like sea urchins, which is they're spiky and pointy on the outside, but they're soft and gooey on the inside. And I have a feeling that Leah is one of these people mostly because she has talked a little bit about what's going on and I can see how it's emotionally impacting her. But instead of, you know, really addressing the emotions, she's just putting on this tough outer shell so that she can function, which fair, you know, but also you're 20 years old, you're a young adult. You you need to learn these lessons early so that you can use them as you grow throughout the rest of your life. And so what are we talking about with her? I think the first thing that she would bring up, so there's a lot to hear with her, and I have it basically in order of how she would present it in therapy, because I think it would take a long time to build rapport with her before she was ever willing to talk about any of this deeper stuff. So starting with desire for independence is number one. Uh, And we're, to give you context, uh, we're in the new moon, late new moon, early eclipse, age era here um so she has this desire for independence and she the way she describes it is she's a member of this really close friend group but part of the friend group is not functioning as well for her her ex is a member of this friend group who's now dating her cousin and she is having problems with that uh so she doesn't want to be around this friend group so she doesn't have to see it doesn't have to hear it uh, and as she sometimes says, so she doesn't have to think it because sometimes these thoughts just pop into her head and she can't help it. And so I would talk with her starting with the thought process stuff, talk to her about some thought stopping techniques. Uh, a couple favorites of mine, old chestnuts uh, from my, the, the joke that I make, which is my Lord and Savior, Stephen Hayes, uh, who is the founder of ACT. Uh, there's a couple very quick ones. One is lingual repetition or uh, somatic satiation is the other way of putting it uh, which is you repeat the word over and over and over again so you get it down to one word and you just repeat it over and over again and it removes the meaning of the word kind of like if you read a word too many times or you say a word too many times it doesn't sound like a word anymore it's just sounds it's that idea and so i would talk to her and say like what are what are the thoughts that are popping into your head about this so like what is what is the thing that you're telling yourself or putting on yourself about this situation And I think with her, it would be not enough. Uh, And so that's the simplest we can get it. So we'd sit there and go, not enough, not enough, not enough, not enough, not enough, not enough. Which that one has a good rhythm to it. It's nice. But you do it for about 30 seconds, as fast and as loud as you can. 
uh, and that kind of makes the thought go away. Other versions of this, uh, you can sing it. Um, I don't know what's in public domain, so I'm not going to sing anything here because I don't want to get in trouble. Um, but, you know, basically, uh, I, I'm sure the ABC's got to be in public domain at this point, right? Um, so it would be like, not enough, not enough. Like, and you would go through, I'm not enough, I'm not enough. You know, so going through stuff like that. Uh, the other, you know, just ways of making those thoughts a little easier for her to deal with. Uh, I would also say if there's a desire for independence for getting away from this peer group, digging into what her interests are outside of this peer group. And is there a way you can chase down those interests and go find other peers to hang out with and that kind of a thing. That being said, I'm kind of playing this in a way that I think a lot of people who are listening and know these stories right now are like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, she can't go. And that is me playing up the fact that I don't know what the culture of her peer group is, mm -hmm. right? I don't know that she's a shape-shifting werewolf. I don't know that she's got telepathic thoughts, connections with her pack mates. I don't know that she can't just leave her pack she's tried and it's impossible for her to do that and so that's the stuff i would come with her and her response with that abrasiveness i'm sure would be to fight against that and sort of cause some friction there and i would talk to her and kind of say like you know what's tell me about what the therapeutic process isn't working for and go into like a process discussion of like, tell me about what's like to talk to somebody like me. What's it like in this room or in this, you know, video call? Uh, what What is it like for you when you come here, when you leave? And kind of just deciding what is the, what is therapy like for her? And I feel like her response would be, you just don't understand, which is fair. And I would bring that up. I'm like, absolutely. I'm a, you know, 30, almost 30 year old white guy uh, who is, doesn't know as much as I could about the native culture. Like, absolutely, you're, you're so right. And it's not your job to teach me about that stuff, but can you at least give me context around how you're experiencing this? And so really going back and forth with her and I think eventually probably developing a grudging respect. She, again, she's a pretty abrasive person, so I feel like it would take a long time. Uh, so then the next thing we would talk about is this desire to prove her strength. So we had, I'm not, I'm not enough as the first thought, the, ne the, the connection being I need to be stronger. What does that mean for you? Does stronger mean I need to physically be stronger or I need to be able to fight better? Does it mean I need to be emotionally stronger and not feel my feelings or I need to be emotionally stronger and accept all of my feelings? What for her is strength? and exploring that narrative of what is strength for you uh, and how does that apply to how you see yourself and talking to her about how she relates her strength to her relationship with her peer group, her relationship with her ex, how that all kind of plays together. Cause I think those are the things that we talk about first. Then through those two things, I'm not enough. I'm not strong enough eventually we would land on the quite the big question and I, I would play I would keep this card close until I felt like she was ready and ask what is it that you feel you need to be stronger for 
and that is how we would get into the bulk of what she would want to work on, end up working on with gene therapy, which is grief. So much grief. So we're talking book Leah here, not movie Leah. Because in the books, the first time she changes, she scares her father to death, literally. He has a heart attack because she changed and not her brother. And so she blames herself for his death. And now we get to process what that is like. What is it like to not have a father? What is it like to have to go through the process of placing blame upon yourself? Is that narrative realistic? Is that actually what happened? Tell me about your version of the events so we can see what's going on here and process through it and work together through it. Am I going to be able to eventually get rid of the guilt that she's feeling? I don't know. And I would be upfront with her about that. It's to say, I, I can't tell you if this was your fault or not, but I can help you live with it a little bit. And working on that, because I think that particular loss has really stung, you know, has hurt her the deepest. And she also has the loss of this romantic relationship, which she's reminded of every single day. And when she's feeling most herself, she gets reminded of because she's reading the mind of her ex-boyfriend. And so to talk her through what this grieving process is like for her and teaching her how to process her pain in a way that puts it out in the world in a healthy way versus taking it in and making it internal which is what she's doing now. And really the way that we do that or the way that I do that uh, is by explaining ways in which we can process anger because that's a great place to start. Anger is typically a cover for pain, helplessness, or fear. And to be like, okay, if you can be angry, then you can process some of this pain. If you can be sad, you can process some of this pain. What are ways we can practice doing those things? And honestly, I'd probably, this is a little out there even for me, but I'd probably like recommend she go to a rage room yes. or something and just like destroy the place or, you know, take a bunch of stuff that she can break out into the woods and turn into a wolf and rip a pouch cushion apart or whatever it might be. I can say in session before working with someone with grief, I had them tear up a magazine. Mm -hmm. And just giving them permission to be messy with their emotions. And it, it helped. I mean, yeah. And I've, I've told people to like hit pillows before or their mattress, only soft things. Mm -hmm. uh, I am very clear about that. Do not hit anything hard with your hand. You'll break it or you'll break the thing. And mm -hmm. either one, not super great. So about like, you know, find something soft. Do what you need to do to feel okay and to help get some of this outside of you rather than just bouncing around inside where it's doing more damage and so that's kind of where i have left off on my notes with her as uh, very kind of short and sweet but it's this continuing process of processing grief and understanding grief and getting to instead of have grief really take over and control your emotional experience walk alongside it mm -hmm and experience it in a way that's more forward. Absolutely. 
even what came to mind when you were talking about that part of her that would always feel guilty is like my little brain goes, well, that's to me and how I would work that is that part's language of we may never get this part to go away because it's a part of us, but it doesn't have to judge us anymore. It doesn't have to shame us. It can give ourselves a new role. Can we teach it a new job um, that's more beneficial to us? Yeah, absolutely. So Tyler, why'd you go over to the vampire side? I mean, the werewolf side. Because the vampires are boring, to be honest. Yes. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I had a hard time picking a character for this particular franchise, mostly because the vampires, pretty much all of them, the way that they're written, have the Superman problem, mm-hmm. which is that they are so perfect, they are boring as hell. Yes. Um, and that doesn't mean to say that like some of them have their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they almost they all do. have too much stuff yeah it's it's it, it it wasn't speaking to me in a way mm-hmm. that felt human and i think that's part of the writing of them they're supposed yes. to feel alien they're you know hundreds of years old and stuff um but the but leah specifically there's something so universal about her mm-hmm. experience watching I, I was shocked. Yeah, someone I was shocked. love your ex yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was shocked to find out she was like in her 20s I thought I like I was mm-hmm. like oh I could have sworn she was younger because this is such a very like high school experience right mm-hmm. where you're, you're kind of trapped with the peer group that you're in your high school with you can't really get away from them and so if something goes bad you are reminded of that on a mm-hmm. daily basis and I think we can all kind of empathize with that with her of like we've all kind of had that experience Maybe it wasn't an ex, maybe it was somebody that was unrequited or what have you, but you've mm-hmm. had that experience of like, oh, they don't like me. Okay. And if you haven't, you lucky bastards. Right. Um, but, <laughs> Write a book. <laughs> yeah. But the idea really with her, I just found her so interesting as a character compared compared to basically everyone else. Even just looking over her you know doing the my notes and looking over her wikipedia entry it was just like yeah this is such a deep character with so much trauma and grief mm-hmm. and i would rather read an entire book series about her right and bella so yeah that's kind of where i why i landed on her i just find her experience to be really universal and a nice way of bringing up and talking about different forms of grief Right, absolutely. And so much within the Twilight Saga is more about what happens when the heartbreak occurs rather than the love story occurs and how to move through that. Because there's so many different characters that have the unacquainted, uh, I'm not saying that right. Unrequited. Thank you. Love story. And at times it's written off in very creepy ways and other times it's never really addressed again. And it's just something that people do have to live with at times. And it's so true. Every, most people in life will have an experience where it's either, you know, not received and not reciprocated or it ends or there's a loss and a love story changes and things aren't as predicted and as expected and it's more we can we can more we can relate to that more (laughs) absolutely well i think that's our take on the twilight saga and a gentle reminder to also love yourself and be compassionate towards yourself and if you're in a relationship that isn't 
feeling good or has a lot of red flags in it, there's help out there. There's resources out there. Talk to people. That's one of the first steps is to not isolate yourself in that experience and you're not ever stuck in something. There is resources and help. And thank you for listening to our rant on the Twilight Saga this week. If you liked it, please give us a rating and a comment, share with friends pass it around. Join us on Instagram at stories with shrinks. You can find us posting a whole bunch of fun stuff over there. And until next time, y'all, thank you all. Bye. Take care, everyone. Stories with Shrinks is an entertainment and education podcast. Our views are our own and should not be considered canon or associated with any of the media or universes we discuss. And thank you to Purple Planet Music for our theme song, Phoenix Rising. You can find music for all your podcasting or YouTube needs at www.purple-planet.com.